0: Welcome to another edition of Canton Bound, the NFL half of our Campus to Canton podcast. As always, I'm Colin. And this is Austin. And uh, we got a couple news items here to start off with today. Uh, We'll start with the two smaller ones. Uh, And the first one, it's Tebow time in Duvall, apparently. Um, First question I'll throw over to you, Austin. Do we care?
1: I just wrote really big <laughs> no on my, on my sheet. <laughs>
0: um, so
1: I, I don't think he's ever he's ever gonna be fantasy relevant. That's not a bold take. You know, I am not going out on a limb here to say anything about that. But have you looked at the Jaguars' current depth chart? Like people are saying that he's not gonna make the roster. I don't think that's a foregone conclusion. Guess how many career catches there, five roster tight ends beyond Tintibo have if you exclude James Oshag-Hennessy, who still doesn't have many catches. But <laughs> if, if you take him out, the other four, guess how many catches they have in their career. Okay,
0: Come well, I'm on. assuming Tyler Eifert wasn't re-signed. Is that right? I do not believe he was. He's not currently
1: on their roster. Okay, That is what I went to look at. So. Okay.
0: Okay. Um, how many catches combined besides O'Shea hennessy um I'm gonna go with 25. 13. Oof. Thirteen. They
1: have Tyler Davis, a second year player from Georgia Tech, who has two career targets and zero receptions. Ben Ellfsen is a second year guy with four targets and one reception. They have rookie Luke Farrell out of Ohio State, and Chris Manhurts, who is in his seventh year and has 19 targets and 12 catches.
0: And so then he's, he's and the leader then, in the room right now. Yes, yeah, and then Osha
1: Hennessy, who has 88 catches in six years. So not a prolific tight end room. I don't like any of them, and I'm not going to go pick up Tim Tebow. But, but, yeah, I think he could make this roster. It could be interesting. And like we always like to say, uh, Urban Meyer kind of looks like he might be incompetent. You know, <laughs> <laughs> We don't have that big of a sample size yet, but he's not exactly bathing us in comfort. So <laughs> it would not shock me if he's on that team on opening day.
0: Yeah, I mean that's a really good point. I didn't I knew they traded Josh Oliver, um traded him to the Ravens, I believe. Um, but yeah, other than that, yeah, not really anything there that you like to see. So maybe he's not fantasy relevant, but real life relevant, possibly.
1: Do yeah, do not go pick him up. <laughs> Do not go pick him up. I have the mic in my hands. It's up in the air, and I'm screaming into it. Do not go pick up <laughs> Tintivo, please. Please don't go pick up Tintivo. Okay, back back to our regular schedule program.
0: Back to our regularly scheduled programming here. Uh, second bit of news here: um, the former Jacksonville Jaguar Blake Bortles signed in Green Bay. Does that signal anything to you? Either way, about the status of Rogers or their belief in love.
1: So you know how I said that I wrote no, really big on the Tebow one, but then I actually did like a small amount of research. Mm-hmm. I skipped the research for this one. I just wrote no, <laughs> no, no. This means nothing. Um, I would be shocked if he's
0: their opening day starter. Um, that'd be bad. That'd be bad. Yeah, I mean, I would be shocked if he's their opening day starter. I think the reason for this signing is camp body um i mean right now they have jordan love jordan aaron Rodgers. i'm assuming is going to skip all of otas and not be there in the spring so that leaves you with just you know second year player jordan love so my guess is they brought in bortles who's pretty good locker room guy from all accounts pretty likable guy um they probably brought him in you know maybe help him show jordan love the ropes a little bit And then just to kind of have like a backup quarterback on the roster so Jordan Love doesn't have to throw his arm out. Um, That's pretty much my interpretation of this signing. I don't really think it signals that Aaron Rodgers is ready to leave. I don't really think it signals uh, that they don't like Jordan Love. Uh, I know um, GM Brian Guttenkirce did say that he feels Love has a good way to go in his development. But I think Honestly, that's probably a little bit more of trying to put a bandaid on the bullet wound with Aaron Rodgers. Um, if you know, if Matt Lafleur had said that about Jordan Love, then I'd be a little bit more concerned. But I mean, it's GM Bryant. He's a GM. I, I don't really think that that necessarily. I don't really think he necessarily has a great finger on the pulse there of the day to day, you know, status of that roster. I think, if, like I said, if Lafleur had said it, I'd be a little more concerned.
1: It's amazing how much um, having two of the top 12 quarterbacks of all time has made that, that franchise look so much better than they are over <laughs> the past 20, 30 years, man. It's honestly incredible. It really, really is.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, first of all, everybody wanted to talk about the Colts going from Peyton Manning to Andrew Luck, but you know, I think going from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers is even – bigger like that's that's like those two quarterbacks can win you games and have won them games time and time again over the years so I think without those two guys that's we're talking about like a fairly mediocre team over the past two decades
1: yeah I, I, I am curious I kind of want to see Roger skip a couple games um, I just want to see like what they're what the team does without him because that might be what happens. They might, he might, he might sit out to, for a couple of games, and they go out there and look like absolute garbage. And then all of a sudden, you know, you either have to get something for him, or you know, you give in to whatever he wants, and he comes back. Um, I, I don't know which is more likely, but um, I, I, if he leaves, I, I don't think they're going to be good.
0: No, I, I don't think they will either. I think Aaron Rodgers covers a lot of issues there. Um, and we can get into uh, the schedule here uh, in in a little bit. That is going to be our next segment. Spoiler alert here. Um, but I will say I do think that there's that what you said is a very real possibility with them sitting out and then not starting out very well, and then deciding, all right, we need to bring Aaron Rodgers back, or Aaron Rodgers could just sit back, laugh hysterically at him, and then. You know, he's still keeps sitting out and then they have to trade him to get something for him. You know, whether they trade him to um Denver to actually get Teddy Bridgewater at that point, you know, or they move him somewhere else, uh, you know, hard to say. But I, I do think that their early season outlook is gonna have a big role in uh in this saga.
1: They're actually one of the teams that I highlighted their schedule here. So do you like, do we just want to shift right yeah. into that and talk about it? Yeah. So they, their, first, transition. their first four games of the year, they play New Orleans, Detroit, San Fran, and Pittsburgh. Now I know that New Orleans is going through a little bit of transition. You know, they just lost their quarterback, but I think three losses there without Aaron Rodgers is very, very possible. And honestly, probably more likely than not. Cause I think San Fran's going to be decent this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that everyone forgets that they, had so many injuries last year as well. Uh, I think Detroit's the only game you look at there and you think you feel really good about them <laughs> going into that. So that's what I was, that's why I was kind of saying that earlier that, you know, uh, Rogers is going to see an uptick in leverage if, if he decides to sit out after the first couple of games, I think.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I was kind of looking at that as well. And then they, you know, week five Cincinnati, that's probably a win. Um, you know, you, you they're, they're kind of in the same boat as Detroit, but then in Chicago, Washington, Arizona, Kansas city, Seattle, Minnesota, and the Rams all pretty tough games there. I mean, I think all of those teams are solid. I don't think any of those teams are weak by any means. So an Aaron rodgers lists green Bay Packers team could very, very easily finish sub 500 and in a five win team you know I-, I could see that being very possible
1: no that, yeah that wouldn't shock me at all um to be really really to be completely honest i mean i know that it it seems crazy and they do have some pieces on defense i don't think they're just gonna you know completely collapse but i mean it's tough to lose a starting quarterback like that
0: it's tough to lose not only a starting quarterback like that but to lose a prolific starting quarterback like that like that that would do some serious damage to that roster. Because like I said, I think Aaron Rodgers papers over some some other issues on that roster. I mean, they did draft Amari Rogers, which, you know, that helps, um, you know, a little bit in the receiving game. Uh, you know, they brought back Aaron Jones. That helps a little bit as well. Their defense is fairly solid. Um, you know, I think that that's... That they would have to lean on their defense in the run game without Rodgers. Um, I think that Jordan Love was an optimistic first-round pick based on you know his talent and his skill level you know high ceiling for sure but you know we haven't really seen him and we haven't seen him really play anybody of consequence even going back to college except for lsu where he did not look very good so i wouldn't feel very good with with jordan love if i if i'm the packers you know starting day one
1: is there are there any other schedules that jump out to you or i know you said you kind of picked out some more um big matchups instead of you know individual schedules.
0: Yeah. Uh well I mean we're talking Aaron Rodgers here. So obviously one to highlight is Green Bay versus Kansas City at week nine. You know, if Aaron Rodgers is playing, you know, that's Rodgers versus Mahomes. That's prime time. That is well it's not it's not prime time for whatever reason it's a 325 game on Fox. Um but or 425, I'm sorry. It's in the wrong time zone here. I don't know why this article is in Central Time. Central Time's not relevant, but uh, no, it's yeah. So it's a four o'clock game on on Sunday on Fox. I don't know why that wouldn't be a prime time because that's Aaron Rodgers versus Patrick Mahomes. Those are that's the State Farm Bowl right there. You know,
1: I mean, I guess maybe they are sensing that Rodgers might not be there, (laughs) and at that point, you know, if that's the case, that's not a good game. I think that's by the point in the season where you can flex it in though, right? Probably. I don't know. I don't remember all the flex rules off the top of my head, but um, so that the possibility if he does come back, that we still get
0: to see that game uh, in prime time. Yeah. Uh, And then the other games, I only highlighted two other games. Um, The first one for me is week one Falcons Eagles, just a personally personal uh, notable game for me. You know, last time Falcons Eagles played, they. Uh, I was at Xfinity live in Philly, which is right down there about next to the stadium watching with a bunch of Eagles fans wearing my Falcons Jersey Falcons lose. It was not a fun walk uh, back to my car. Um, but you know, I always like to see the Falcons and Eagles play each other just because I have so many fa- friends who are Eagles fans. Um, and I think this year, you know, I, I don't think either team's going to be particularly good. So, you know, I think the Falcons have a very good chance of winning that week one matchup. Get a little bit of revenge.
1: So I picked out a couple of, um, I know that a lot of NFL coaches, pretty much all of them, I think they kind of split the season into quarters. And now I don't know what they're going to do with that that 17th game there. You know, one, uh, four games and a quarter of the, you know, and then just roll forward through there. I don't know how they're going to split it in their heads, but they're all weird. Um, but I picked out some some starting schedules for some of these teams that I think are going to, make or break their year. The Steelers, the schedule is not overwhelmingly tough to start, but it's not particularly easy either. And we have Buffalo to start the season, um, which, you know, Buffalo played us really tough last year and beat us. Uh, Raiders week two, Um, I don't think that they're going to be very good, but we struggle against the Raiders. Now this one is in Pittsburgh. Um, so that should help a little bit. It seems like the Steelers just kind of struggle on the West coast. Then we have Cincy week three, really don't think much of the Bengals this year. And then the Packers week four. Um, so depending on what goes on with Aaron Rodgers there. Um, but I mean, I, I, I think that's an interesting schedule to start the year. Um, the other one that I picked out was Dallas with Dak coming back from injury still I don't think he's going to be 100%. You know, I think it's going to be difficult for him to be close to that. They have their first four games are Tampa, Chargers, Philly, Carolina. Now, I don't know how good Philly's going to be this year, but it's a divisional matchup and they usually play each other pretty pretty tight. But that those first two games especially Tampa and Chargers, I think the Chargers are going to be improved this year and Tampa obviously coming off the Super Bowl and they bring back everybody. Um, so I think Dallas might be in some trouble to start off the year here. Uh, I, I would not be shocked if they go, you know, one and three in their first four. I think two and two is the best scenario there. But I guess if you come out of that two and two, you're feeling okay about yourself.
0: Yeah, I I, I would agree with you there. I mean, week one, obviously going to be very tough uh, against the Bucs. Um, you know, Falcons get them in week two. Not looking forward to that at all. Um, but you know, I think that the Chargers are going to be a very tough team as well. They did beef up the O line a little bit. You know, they get Derwin James back, who I think is a true difference maker. You know, on the defense there, I think that's going to be pretty big for them as well. So, yeah, I, I think that the Chargers could definitely give them some issues. Um, Carolina and Philly. You know, I, I feel pretty good about the Cowboys beating both of them. I think it's I think it's more likely to be two and two than it is to be one and three. Um, but yeah, either way, you know, not, not a hot start to the year. Um, you know, and one of, uh, one of the things with the Falcons schedule here is I love that they get the, uh, the NFC East and the AFC East. Um, so, you know, that's going to be fairly soft schedule for them. So, you know, I think that the Cowboys will probably win that division, But ahead of, you know, it'll be them in Washington. But I think the other one, I think the Falcons could be in contention with the wild card for one of them there, too. So, you know, I would like to see the Cowboys get off to a worse start as possible. Plus, I just I just don't like the Cowboys.
1: And the only other game I highlighted here, and I only bring it up because um, I see people saying to the contrary on, on a lot on Twitter Chiefs play the Browns week one. The Chiefs are going to smack the shit out of the Browns week one. (laughs) I feel really confident saying that. Uh, I might put some some money down on that game, whatever the spread ends up being, uh, in in favor of the Chiefs because I think that people are just you know think that the Browns are just going to have this you know exponential growth. I don't. The Chiefs are going to be a better team than they were last year. They they've improved the offensive line, which was the only problem in the Super Bowl because all their their starters were you know gone but you know you still have Ty- Ty- Tyreek and you still have Travis Kelsey and um you know the defense doesn't really lose a lot I mean they're going to be a little vulnerable on the outside but I'm not sure the Browns are the team that that you know challenges you in that way necessarily so I think the Chiefs are going to Going to go out there and kind of open up a can on them. To be completely honest, you know, not like you know, thirty points or anything, but you know, people are saying the Browns are going to win, and it's going to be—I think it's going to be double digits. Personally, I know this will come back, and someone will, you know, clip this or something and blow it back in my face if if that does not happen <laughs> week one. But I I just don't get what the push is for the Browns uh, to because they they played them tough in the playoffs. I, I think it's wishful thinking from people. People just want to see the king toppled but i don't think the king goes down that week
0: yeah i mean you know i love uh you know throwing old takes of yours in your face you know based on the debbie debate from this week um you know i had a, i had a pretty heavy hand in, in trying to resurface a lot of those tweets of yours for the uh for that segment of that show but yeah so i'll, I'll absolutely throw that back in your face if it comes up but no i'm, I'm actually i'm with you i think that you know week one Mahomes and the chiefs they're going to come out hot you know the chiefs beefed up their o line this year you know they they kind of recognized that uh that that was a that was a pretty big weakness there now they did only add cornell powell a wide receiver um so i think that you know that they probably could still use another weapon there but i i don't think that they're, that that's going to be a difference maker between them and the browns now full disclosure i do really like the browns this year you know i think they take a nice step forward um again you know i think that they're going to be in the playoffs again i think they're probably going to be in contention for that division um yeah i
1: do too i think they'll finish second narrowly to baltimore in the division yeah um, i think it's like one more year um assuming everything doesn't go to shit um cuz still with cleveland i mean you have even their own fans <laughs> are like holding their breath you know and you're just yeah. waiting for the other shoe to drop <laughs> you know for you know Baker to get, like, arrested for, you know, something <laughs> you know, running cockfighting rings. And, you know, there's something weird would happen. You're just like, well, that's the Browns. You know, nothing, nothing really surprises us about that.
0: Yeah, I mean, Matt Bruning says it all the time. Uh, you know, he's always very cautious as a Browns fan. Um, he's relentless as an Ohio State fan, but he is – I will give him that. He is pretty cautious as a Browns fan uh, just because – they're, I feel, they're probably feeling like they're playing with house money at this point. <laughs> um, but I, the last matchup that I wanted to highlight uh, is one that everybody talk, everybody's talking about it. And uh, that Tom Brady returning to New England week four. I think Brady and the Bucs just absolutely destroy New England. I don't think New England's going to be very good this year. I think that, you know, they're... They're not going to finish. New England's not going to finish last in that division because the Jets are there. But, you know, I think that New England's going to be very comfortably a sub 500 team this year. Now, they do get some opt outs back on defense, which could change some things, you know, a little bit from last year's outlook. But yeah, I I don't think they're going to be very good. I think the Bucs are going to be really good. They, like you said, they return all 22 starters from last year. It's the first Super Bowl winner to ever do that. So, you know, they have to be considered the favorites in the NFC. I think the NFC is very middle heavy. I think that there's a lot of teams that are decent to pretty good, but there's not really any team that I see challenging the Bucks in the NFC other than maybe the Rams, depending on how that whole situation gels together. So, yeah, I think that, you know, with how good the Bucks are going to be, how bad New England's gonna be and how motivated Tom Brady's gonna be. I think this is gonna be an absolute shit show. Yeah, no, I mean that wouldn't surprise me either. Um, did you have any other games that you wanted to highlight there?
1: No, that was really it. I mean, and this stuff all changes so fast. That's why I laugh when people say, like, oh, well, they have the hardest strength of schedule this year. Like, right. We've seen that before. We're by week three, that schedule looks like a cupcake, or you know, vice versa. So I put very little stock in you know all of that kind of stuff for the most part Um, now you know week six rolls around and all of a sudden a schedule you know that now you know now that's when i start you know running back he's saying you know that's a bunch of really good run defenses because we've seen you know five games of it or whatever but at the beginning of the year i just have so much so much trouble buying into that kind of stuff
0: yeah i i agree too and i know uh mike clay does a lot of schedule analysis um you know and he's always saying about how strength of se- strength of schedule changes drastically from what you expect at the beginning of the season to, you know, midway through the year. There's always teams that overperform, always teams that underperform. There's always teams that get injured and have significant injuries. So I don't put a ton of stock in, you know, strength of schedule at this point. Like I'm with you there, but it is still something that's, you know, it's a little bit of a dead period here. You know, we just came off of the draft. So it is something that's interesting to talk about. Um, You know something else interesting to talk about here is the addition of that extra game, the 17th game. Um, That is obviously something that's definitely going to have impact in a fantasy world. Here, it's sounding like most leagues are going to just add an extra week, move back the you know playoffs, and just kind of go with the flow with like the regular NFL schedule there, Uh, but. You know, the addition of an extra game, I think you're going to see some records get broken. Um, you know, maybe not this year, but I think with the addition of an extra game, obviously stats are going to compile at a higher rate. You know, Matt Stafford's going to throw for an extra 300 yards this year compared to what he would have normally. So, you know, I think that that's, that's something else that's going to be, uh, Something else that's going to be need to be talked about throughout the offseason as well, and you know how that's going to factor into other conversations too. But do you have any thoughts here, uh, before we move on on like the extra game?
1: I just hate how it's going to throw off fantasy seasons now. Um, and I I do think that they should, if you're going to stretch the season even longer now, I think you need to condense the amount of time that um, the bye weeks can take place. Or you need to, as was discussed a lot before, you know, add a second bye week in for everybody, so that it's kind of split up evenly. Because right now, like the you know the early season bye week teams have at least the narrative goes, and teams say this, so I think there is some credence to it. Now, whether you know I've you know I don't know if someone's looked at you know thousands of bye weeks and and broken down exactly how they, they they play out throughout the course of the season, but I know teams hate early bye weeks. And they like the late ones because you can kind of get that extra week to heal up. And, and if you're co-season bound, you know, kind of reset yourself a little bit. So the teams that have the early, early buys now, that sucks for them. And the teams that have week 14, I think if you're a playoff team, that gives you a huge advantage. So I do think they're going to have to either narrow that window. You know, I, I don't know what is, week five is the first bye weeks this week or this year, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So from week five to week 14, a a 10 week span. Like, I, I don't think you can stretch them out that far. You got to condense that window, you know, go from weeks eight to 13 or something, you know, it's basically break that in a half. I, I, they're going to have to do something because I think teams are going to complain about it too. Like, I, I think it's a matter of time before mm-hmm. someone complains about
0: that. So, right. And you already have teams who kind of complain about the early bye week, you know, when they have it in week four, you know, the, the teams that have the bye week in week four are not happy. When the schedule comes out that way. No. So I think it's gonna be the same thing, you know, when it's week five. I, I'm with you there. I think they need to condense that a little bit there. And that's that's something that um, you know, it's a good point. Yeah, you know, it's not really something that you see too many people talking about right now. What can I say? I'm playing chess, everyone else is playing checkers. Next question. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, with that, we're gonna move on to the next segment. Um draft ripple effects here. I mean, we already talked a little bit about you know the rookies who helped, you know, with landing spot. You know, kind of some our thoughts on that a little bit last week. You know, now let's take a look at some of the vets who've had their stock impacted the most from the draft. And since you're feeling real cocky here tonight, I'll kick it over to you first.
1: So I actually I, I'm looking at who we both put down here, and I think you kind of put a guy that was positively impacted and one that was negative, and I put two guys that were negatively impacted. Yeah. Um, the, the first one I put here is Melvin Gordon. Cause I think this effectively spells the end for Melvin Gordon and Denver. I don't think it takes a, you know, fortune teller or, you know, someone that can see into the future to, to see that uh, his contract is up after this year and he's an unrestricted free agent. He'll be 29 by this time next year. His birthday is in the middle of April. That's getting close to that 30. You know, th- this is probably his last real contract. You know, he'll get, he might get picked up to start the year next year, but, uh, you know, he he was a guy that pushed for more money last time. I could see him pushing more money, for more money this time and kind of hanging out until, you know, a, a rant, you know, some random, you know, I don't want to say this. Najee Harris goes down <laughs> to the preseason next year and the Steelers need a running back you know, because we don't have anybody else. Like that is the kind of scenario where maybe he comes in and gets another starting role, but I don't think he has another one in him. So if you have Melvin Gordon and you're not really sure that you're going to contend this year, you have to move him. And since I know this is, you know, campus to Canton is our shows, uh, you know, if you can move him, you know, in regular dynasty leagues, I see him going for like early second in value. And that's, you know, so if you, if you can get a guy that's probably in that range, you know, a, um, like, I I don't even know if you could get like a Quentin Johnston or something for him, depending on, you know, it would really depend on circumstance, but like, you know, a Parker Washington, like that kind of tier, if you're looking for a running back, I think you're SOL trying to get any of the top 10 to 12 guys. And then at that point, you know, you're really speculating. Like I, I, I don't know what kind of a college asset you can move this guy for at this point, because that Javante Williams signing just totally tanks unless somebody, you know, week six rolls around and they've lost three running backs and they need one badly. Like that's you want you don't move them this off season Unless you get a godfather offer you, you have to wait until somebody else's um, misfortune is, is your fortune.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree there. I was kind of on the, Quietly on the Royce Freeman bandwagon here before they drafted um, Javante Williams, just because everything you said with Melvin Gordon. Are you squinting at me? What? What? You were on the Royce Freeman bandwagon? <laughs> that, what is l- this,
1: 2015? What you were on the Royce Freeman bandwagon.
0: <laughs> I'm not out here banging a drum saying go trade a first or a second round pick for him, but I was quietly, you know trying to maybe pick him up here or there. I picked him up in our contract league as he got uh cut. You know, I picked him up for a dollar for a four year contract. So, you know, I, I thought that, like you said, with everything with Melvin Gordon, his age, you know, his contract status, I thought that there was a good chance that, you know, and, and his injury history as well. I thought there was a good chance that Royce Freeman could have been fantasy relevant this year. Obviously not going to happen now that they drafted Javante Williams. So you know, I'm I'm out. I'm off of the the Royce Freeman bandwagon. I expect um, to see him on waivers in that league on Monday. Well, I mean, he's a dollar. You know, if I have somebody he's else, a that I, spot is really the big right. If I have, I mean, I waivers process on Saturday. I have at least I can't remember exactly, but I have at least six claims in. So, you know, there's a good chance he's not on my roster anymore. But moving back to what you were saying, yes, I completely agree, Melvin Gordon big stock down need to move him ASAP. If you can get Quentin Johnson or Parker Washington, I'm taking that 11 times out of 10. Um, you know, but if I can, if I have to get a running back in that next tier down, somebody in the, you know, I I would probably take sincere McCormick for him in return in a C2C league. um, You know, I would probably, I would probably take Zamir White for him. I know you're not the biggest Zamir White guy, but I would probably take Zamir White for him there. I'm because he's just he's a hand grenade.
1: Neither of them, yeah. Neither of even if Zamir White busts, you know they. They each they, I mean, they yeah. have they each have the likelihood of being, you know, doing something in the fee, equal likelihood. I mean, if, yeah. if that's the if that's the end result. I am I'm on DLF just looking at some of the recent uh um, <laughs> trades that have gone through for Melvin Gordon. And I know, you know, some of some of the team size or the league sizes and stuff are different, but like Melvin Gordon for the 208, Melvin Gordon in a third for a late, late first, mm-hmm. Melvin Gordon for two thirds. <laughs> Melvin Gordon for the 210 and $40 of fob. Melvin Gordon for the 301 and a future third. Melvin Gordon for Gus Edwards. Holy, someone traded Melvin Gordon and Hollywood Brown for the 103. Good God. But, like, th- th- I mean, th- that is the value that you're getting for him. So, if you're, thinking, yeah. you're looking at your college roster and you're saying, you know, where do I think this guy is going to go in a a dynasty draft, in a typical dynasty draft next year or the year after that? And if it's, you know, higher than that range, I wouldn't move him for him, so.
0: Yeah. Um, We'll move into my guy here. I didn't want it to be all negative, um, you know, because that's kind of our first reaction. It's, oh, the rookie got drafted here. This guy stocked down. Um, You know, so the guy that I wanted to talk about first, uh, Miles Gaskin. A guy who dodged a bullet, you know, a lot of people were, a lot of people were projecting Miami to take a running back in the first. If they didn't take one in the first, a lot of people had them taking somebody in the early, you know, rounds there, you know, early day two, probably round two. And that didn't happen. You know, they, they take Jalen Waddle, somebody who is going to open up the field a little bit more. Um, You know, so Miles Gaskin really kind of the guy there now in that backfield. I mean, they still have Salvin Ahmed. Uh, they have, uh, for whatever reason, people are touting Jared Doakes, um now as, as a possible sleeper. I don't, I mean, it's, athleticism. it's like,
1: it's like the Detroit back or Detroit wide receiver room. It's like, you know, if they're going to hand the ball off, like, it's you know, who's, <laughs> who gets it. Right. Know, I don't know, you know, in, in Detroit, they're going to throw the ball, you know, I don't know who's going to catch it besides Hawkinson and Swift. So I, it's just one of, it's, it's one of those. Scenarios.
0: Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I sort of get it, but at the same time, I mean, Miles Gaskin, he, 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 didn't play a full season last year. Um, he did only play 10 games that, you know, he got hurt then, but in those 10 games, he was number nine in the league in snap share. He had 68.7% of the snaps, you know, he was number 10 in opportunity share. And all these stats are coming from player profiler. Um, you know, he was number 10 in opportunity share. He was number 19 in targets per game. And, and again, or in targets overall. Um, and again, that's, you know, through 10 games, he averaged 4.7 targets per game. You know, he was number 13 in red zone touches to overall as well, average 4.2 red zone touches. So he's getting work all over the field. You know, he's a guy who catches passes. They were Comfortable using him in the red zone despite his size. Um, He's a little bit smaller. Um, You know, he he does weigh 205, but, you know, it's still a little bit on the smaller side there. But, you know, big stock up for Miles Gaskin. Dodging bullets there. I think that offense is going to be better. I think that team's going to be better. They're going to be in a decent amount of positive game script situations this year, I think. Like I already touched on, I don't think New England's going to be very good. There's two games against them. I don't think the Jets are going to be very good. Two games against them, uh, you know they get the Falcons. That's probably going to be a shootout. They get the Saints. You know, I don't think that's a great team either. I think my, you know, Miami's probably going to beat them. Same with Carolina. So I think Miami's going to be. A- I,
1: you're making a very. You're making too many risky assumptions here. To be completely honest. I, you cannot look at running back schedule and saying, I think that this is a really good running back schedule. preseason. I literally don't fair. think it's, it's, it's a, an exercise that is I'm worth doing it all.
0: Fair. I'm not saying it's a good running back schedule from, you know, defense perspective. I'm talking more game script. I think Miami is better than all of those teams by a good, a fairly decent margin. Um, you know, so I'm saying I think they're going to be in positive game script, you know, I'm not going to say any comment on, you know, the quality of those run defenses, but bringing it back. I think that miles Gaskin is, is a buy at this point, There's very real possibility that they draft a running back next year, because like I said, everybody was kind of draft, you know, projecting them to draft a draft pick uh, running back this year. So, you know, you know, he's, he's definitely a more of a win now running back, but if you're looking like a contender, you know, I think it's definitely fair to go out and float an offer for miles Gaskin.
1: I mean, I, I guess, yeah, because I mean, I think he, I think he's a total sell, but if there has to be somebody on the opposite side. I guess it would be a contender. Um, I just don't feel. I mean, it would really depend on price. I actually haven't seen. Maybe I should go look on the the DLF trade machine here just to see um, if there's any recent
0: Gaskin trades. Let me pull that up here real quick while we're working. Yeah, on. and you know, just for full disclosure, I do have Miles Gaskin as my RB twenty nine. So. You know, and well, actually, I haven't moved Melvin Gordon down yet. I do need to do that, Um, so I'll move. I'll move Melvin Gordon behind him, so he'll probably move up to twenty eight ish there. Um, But you know, so I don't. I'm I'm not saying you know, go sell the farm for him, but I think he's worth acquiring. Sorry, it keeps defaulting me back to Melvin Gordon. Even that that
1: ship is sailed, DLF. I don't care (laughs) about. I didn't do a good enough job filibustering, well, I guess. Gordon, what well, you did, if their website would have worked correctly for me. Not to throw any shade at DLF, because I love their... Okay, it apparently doesn't want to search for Miles Gaskin. I don't know what the deal is. If I find something later, I'll, I'll pop up or I'll post it on Twitter or something. But it doesn't want to talk about Miles Gaskin.
0: That's all right. It, it wants telling. us to move on. It yeah, wants us to telling. move on.
1: Maybe that's telling. Maybe it's saying don't buy Miles Gaskin. Should I just go into my next guy here? Yeah, I was kind of hinting that you know we could move on. Um, I also put down Hollywood Brown as a guy that just cratering, and I think, I think you know even his his staunchest supporters probably knew in the back of their mind that the chances of him ever actually being an NFL alpha were probably, you know, we we've had two years to see it and he hasn't done it. Maybe if there had been different circumstances to start up his career, I I don't really know. I'm not going to get into a Lamar debate. I've already had enough <laughs> enough people just giving me shit the past couple of weeks, so we're not getting into a Lamar passing debate. Um, but Hollywood Brown, I mean, he got he got 25% of their target share last year and uh, like over 35% of their air yards. He might maintain a decent amount of the air yard you know, stuff, but I, I, I the 25% is going to dip, and I think it's going to dip precipitously. Ooh, um nice word I, I really really do I mean not that their wide receiver room is loaded per se but you take Rashad Bateman in the first you sign Sammy Watkins you draft Hyland Wallace in the fourth now granted I think he's going to be probably a non-factor this year Wallace more or less but you I mean, you took Devin DuVernay last year who probably fits with Lamar's skill set a little better than Marquise Brown does still got a couple other guys on that roster you know you've got Miles Boykin there uh, for whatever he's worth. But it's just a lot. And plus, you know, they throw the ball to the tight end a lot. And they went out and got Josh Oliver. So they find they have three tight ends. They drafted uh, Tony uh, John or Pujan or however you say his name this year. Um, so I, I think that 25%, you know, don't be shocked if it's less than 15 at the end of the year. Um, and so, you know, his whole value, because he hasn't been that efficient on a per-target basis, Part of that probably his fault. Part of that probably due to the quarterback play. But I, I I just think this really spells the end of anything significant for Hollywood Brown. And he has two more years there. I don't think they'll cut him. You know, he's not making a ton of money as, as a you know mid to mid to late first round draft pick. So I think they keep him. They, they probably won't pick up his option. But I mean, it's still two years that if you have Hollywood on your roster, he's just sitting there on your bench. You don't, you don't ever really feel good about playing him unless, you know, they have a rash of injuries through the
0: receiving room. Yeah, I think that I think you're right. It kind of spells the end for Hollywood Brown, and it it is kind of unfortunate because, you know, I don't think he's a bad player. I don't think Lamar Jackson's a bad quarterback. I just think it was a bad marriage between skill sets. So, you know, I think that you're kind of going to be looking for Hollywood Brown to maybe get the Corey Davis treatment, where they don't pick up his option, he goes somewhere else, and you know, stock maybe rises a little bit, and then probably at that point. You know, I would be looking to sell him because you're not going to get anything for him right now—not anything of value. But you also don't want to cut him, so I would probably, you know, probably hang on to him. Hope he goes somewhere else in in two years. You think what would you what um what do you think his equivalent college value is? Uh, man, equivalent college value—that's tough. I mean, it's pretty low, to be honest with you. Um, especially if you're talking C two C, because I would, w- I would rather have a guy like Calvin Austin, who I, I think sure. is, I, I think they're fairly similar size wise, skill sets fairly similar as well. But Calvin Austin going to put up big numbers in in Memphis this year, um, you know, and then he's an unknown at the NFL level. I think he gets drafted. Uh, so yeah, I would I would rather have Calvin Austin.
1: Here, here's one because I'm on the clock. Actually, I, I'm I pick at the turn in this league that we're doing a startup, and I'm about to make my two picks.
0: Okay. Would you rather have
1: Hollywood Brown or Lavelle Davis, who I'm about to draft?
0: I would probably rather have Lavelle Davis. I mean,
1: even with him out for this entire year, because I, I think I would too. That's what I'm. Yeah. saying. You know, I because he's gonna probably you know put up some nice numbers and next year and he comes back. Yeah, and he's, he's also just like kind of a
0: freak at the wide receiver position. You know, so I mean, he's huge. (laughs) Um, he's how big is he? Is he six six?
1: I think he's six five. I don't think he's bigger than that. Um, he doesn't look bigger than that. Like, if you compare (laughs) him to like, I think he looks shorter than, um, like Warren Jackson. Okay instance okay right? i mean obviously I, i've never seen them standing yeah right so he's I, I, listed at six seven i don't think six, he's actually seven six, Yeah, seven.
0: i was just i thought he was listed that big i thought i was thinking like six 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 seven i mean i don't think he's that big either that's and, and that's a good thing because i think if you're that big at the wide receiver it's really tough yeah. um but yeah I, I would rather have Lavelle davis um you know like you said i think he's you know out this year but i think next year you're looking at some good production i don't virginia doesn't really have anybody else so, yeah, and then some NFL teams probably going to fall in love with that size, speed. So, yeah, I, I would take Laval Davis over Hollywood it, it, Brown. It was
1: just a name that popped off the top of my head here. Um, but, yeah, I mean – So that's I, so pretty low in my ranks. That's really bad for what, you know, uh, Hollywood Brown does. I, you're, you're really just hoping that you sit on him for two years and he goes somewhere else that's yeah. good. That's a really tough sell for me when I could be accruing even just college production you know yeah. from someone i mean depending on how you view that side of things but i don't know i mean and i i mean i would take a lot of the, even like these freshmen that haven't done anything yeah i would take a lot of them over him um so it's it's a, it's a really really tough position for him to be in if it was the last year of his contract i think his value would be significantly higher in a yeah. trade Agreed. Um, but i guess if you're in like a super deep rebuild then you know maybe you take a shot on him or something as a throw in cuz you can probably get him as a throw in
0: you probably could get him as a throw in, but if you're in a super deep rebuild, I mean, you're hoping at that point, you're probably taking him as a throw in as like the equivalent of like a fourth round pick and you're hoping he increases his value and then you flip it. It's because- basically like
1: you're trying to trade with someone and they're like, can I get a third in return? You're like, they're like, I don't have a third. You're like, okay, how about yeah. Hollywood Brown? Like
0: that, that's yes. how that negotiation
1: yep. goes.
0: Yep. Yeah, I think that's pretty spot on. Um, I'll go. My my uh, my my negative here is is the obvious one, one that everybody's really talking about here, and that's that's James Robinson uh, with Jacksonville. There, I, I mean, with them taking Travis Etienne in the first, it's a tough, tough sell for James Robinson stands right now. I know there's people out there who are saying, you know, don't fade James Robinson, go buy James Robinson, but I'm I'm out. I was. I, sold him in, you know, the only league that I had him in, actually I got a 2023 first. So I'm, I'm really happy about that. Cause that graph class is looking really good, but you know, his whole production kind of centered around opportunity. You know, he was buried on that depth chart and then Fournette gets traded. They have two guys who get COVID in the off season and he's pretty much the last guy left standing. No, that's not to d- diminish what he did last year. He had a very good year, but again, according to Player Profiler, he was number one in opportunity share. Um, you know, number seven in snap share on the year. You know, he saw four point three targets per game. That's really nice as well. So he wasn't involved in the receiving game. You know, but I think that it's a really tough sell for him at this point. You know, they brought in Carlos Hyde. They drafted Travis Etienne in the first round. This is not the regime that brought in James Robinson as an undrafted free agent. They don't really have any ties to him. He's not really any, he does not a significant amount against the cap or anything like that. So they'll keep him around, but man, it's, it's tough for him out there right now. I, I you know, I have him as my running back 24, but that honestly feels too high. You know, I, I, I looking at it now, I have Chris Carson at 25. I'd rather Chris Carson. You know, at least we know Chris Carson starting there this year in Seattle and he's going to be great for eight games until he gets hurt. So I, I yeah, uh, James Robinson has moved down and will probably continue to move down for me.
1: Yeah. And, um, I don't even want to, um, cause I know I said this on the last show. And I, I, I immediately after I said it, I was like, that's kind of crude um <laughs> about about how if you didn't sell him you were a, a dummy and or how you did not like you didn't see this coming you were a dummy and i don't think that's necessarily the right way to approach it but i don't you're you you had house money in your hand at that point like mm-hmm. you hit really really big you just get you know you're out you're out you know that you know you don't have to play until you lose all the money again at the casino they want you to do that don't do that and it's the same thing with you know you get a guy like james robinson who was literally worth nothing you know up until august middle of august last year and then he becomes something like the you know the odds say he's not going to do that again or if he does it's like maybe one year so i don't know why what people were thinking that they weren't just getting rid of him as soon as possible because i saw people trading him for like two firsts instead he was going like fourth round and startups like Bonkers, bonkers. I don't know how many times we need to learn this lesson. It's like you know, anytime there's a guy like that, you know, I think of the one year where it was, um who was the guy with the Rams? Zach Stacy. Yes, it was like it oh, was the year was Zach Stacy um, Langford with the Bears. Langford, yeah. Yes, like the and the, the, in, in every year there's a guy or two like that to creep up way higher than they should. And then you look back at it six months from then, and you're like, "Well, what the heck were we thinking?" And then people still do it again. And James yeah. Robinson was was the same kind of guy, um, you know, just a, a jag that got some nice opportunity to share.
0: Well, I mean, one thing for the Zach Stacy and Jeremy Langford guys out there, I mean, I was, you know, in our very first dynasty league that we ever did, um, which you were not in that one. That league folded after one year, mostly uh, from lack of activity, but. You know, I, I also I was the commissioner of that one. I just allowed it to, I just pretty much completely folded it so we could restart it over, so that way we could get you and some of uh, some of the other Juniata guys in there. Um, but I I took him, I took him way too early. I think I took him in like the third or fourth round, and I was just not good there. So, but anyway, what I was saying without Zach Stacy and Jeremy Langford, at least those guys had some draft capital, you know, behind them. I think they were. Uh, off the top of my head, I think Jeremy Langford was like a fourth round guy. I think Zach Stacy was like a third round guy, but you know, Stacy was
1: a fifth, was a fifth rounder. So I mean, fifth. he was uh, granted. But literally, still. any draft pick is better than James <laughs> Robinson, <There's
0: laughs> draft pick. right? You know. Right. But yeah, I I'm with you there too. With like with guys like James Robinson and, and also guys like Jordan Love, you know, I'm going to throw him into this too. You didn't spend. Very much at all to get him. Now he's probably spent something on Jordan Love, but you're kind of playing with house money, you know. So cash out while you can, while the value's there. And you know, yes, if you had sold James Robinson for one first, like I did, and he had another really good year this year, where he was top five in rushing, and you know, he was a top five fantasy back at the age of 22. You know that kind of hurts a little bit, but at the same time, I flipped a guy that I picked up off waivers for a first round pick. You know, you're going to guys you pick up off of waivers. You're going to they're going to f- crater in value more often than not. So if you're just going to play the odds, you you just sell. You know, take that profit, and it's some profit. You know, you didn't squeeze every ounce of value out of him, maybe, but take the profit.
1: I, I was burned i can remember i, I mean it may have happened more than once but i can only really remember being burned on that concept one time in my you know six plus years of playing dynasty um, i took kirk cousins as a very late round flyer in a rookie draft that year and then when he, he got some starts under his belt i shifted him thinking that this guy was never gonna you know wasn't gonna maintain a starting NFL job for very long um and that's really the only time i can remember getting burned on that Um, so, you know, for every Kirk cousins, there's a, you know, Stacy, a Langford, a a Robinson, you know, there's plenty more where that came from. So, um, I, I just think it's generally the smart move to
0: get rid of those guys. Yeah. I think the only other guy that comes to mind that would potentially like, you know, fly in the face of what we're saying here right now is, is Tyreek Hill. He was a guy who came out of nowhere. You didn't have to spend a draft pick on him. But you know, now look at his value. So you know, to be if,
1: fair, I picked him up off of waivers in both of my leagues that I was in at the time, his rookie year, and I traded him in one of two. The one that I traded him in, I traded him for the pick for Patrick Mahomes. So I yeah. can't really be too mad about that. Um yeah, but, that was a
0: second but, round pick though. But yes, still it was, <laughs> it, was a, it was a free second round pick that you got, you know. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, you're looking at, you know, if if let's say instead of Patrick Mahomes there. I'm trying to think of somebody else that year who you could have taken.
1: Well, um, okay. So I traded him for two back-to-back picks. Okay. And the one was Mahomes, and the other was, um, uh, running back out of Boise state, uh, McNichols. Yes. Jeremy McNichols. And I was equally excited for Jeremy. (laughs) So, so yeah, yes. I mean, it could, it could have not been very
0: good, but right. But moral of the story here, more often than not, these UDA guys, and, and everybody says it, we're not groundbreaking here, but flip those guys. You know, Take the profit. You pick these guys up for free. Just get rid of them before they're value creators. Um, but moving on to the yeah. next segment here. Um, now that we know some of these landing spots for the rookies, uh, and this is a C2C draft show, They're a C2C league show. So we don't really, we've gotten a little bit away from, you know, the C2C roots here on Canton Bound, given everything going on with the NFL and the rookies and everything like that. But, you know, we want to bring it back here. Uh, So we'll do some 2021 rookies versus some 2022 prospects. And I'll kick this over to you first here. Um, These are all kind of guys that I think are. At least similar in situation, potentially skill set as well. But uh first one here we'll go with Devonta Smith versus Chris Alave, who you got?
1: I uh I mean, I think you, you take Smith, um, you know, top top 12 draft capital, um, in a situation where, you know, I'm not sure what their passing offense exactly is gonna look like, but there's not a lot of competition there outside of Jalen Rieger. Um but, you know, I think if you're if you if you say this is Devonta Smith exiting his junior year and Chris Olave exiting his junior year, like, is there really that much separating those guys? Devonta obviously had the huge senior year that propelled him. And I, I don't know that Olave is going to be able to do something similar just because I don't think Ohio State's offense is going to be as prolific as Bama's was passing last year. Um, they kind of caught lightning in a bottle twice in a row, which is very difficult to do. Uh, with with two different starting quarterbacks, uh, nonetheless, but I, I don't think it's as as different as people want to make it seem. And I think if Olave goes back and has a huge year for Ohio State, you know, he could be a top twenty draft pick. You know, it wouldn't shock you. There's no, um, you know, there there's no Jamar Chase in the next year's class. Looking at it right now, now if Traylon Burks comes out this year and just lights the world on fire, maybe we're having that discussion about him. But I, I don't think there's anyone in that class, so he could he could contend for wide receiver one. I mean, I don't know what the NFL teams are doing.
0: <laughs> yeah um I, i'm with you there too i i think that like you said junior year devonta smith versus junior year chris alave that's i'm leaning alave to be honest with you uh, you know and then obviously devonta smith comes out huge year heisman winner at the wide receiver position incredible year propels himself to number 12 draft capital overall you know so that's you know it's a great story it's great for him I don't see Chris Olave doing that, like you said. I think that on top of their passing offense, not going to be as prolific. I think also the targets there are going to be spread out more so than what they were at Bama. Uh, You know, Jalen Waddell obviously getting hurt also helped propel Smith to the year that he had. Uh, But Chris Olave has to compete with Garrett Wilson, who I think is a better receiver. He has to compete with uh, JSN, who is in the slot, which is typically a role that gets targeted a little bit more often. Um, But I also think JSN is probably a better receiver overall than Alave as well. Um, You know, it's hard to say after one year of that, but I don't think that's an outlandish take. So I think with that in mind, I'm with you. I don't see Alave having a great year uh, statistically, but I do still think that he's going to be a first round wide receiver. Um, I think that there's a very good chance that we see Four, maybe five first round wide receivers next year, and Alave should hear his name called in that group. And now you're looking at first round draft capital. I don't think it's going to be top twelve, but you know I think it's still first round. So it's going to depend on where he goes. But I would probably lean Devonta Smith right now. But if you offered me, if I had Devonta Smith, and you offered me Chris Alave and something else smaller. You know, maybe... Hollywood uh, Brown. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a third-round pick? No, just Hollywood. <laughs> no, I would not do it for Hollywood. But if you offered me Chris Olave plus a little something extra, that would probably get it done for me for Devonta Smith. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, we'll move into the next one here, uh, and that is Rashad Bateman. Um, you know, also first-round wide receiver versus David Bell. Uh, you know, guy who... Rondell Moore is gone now. So he's the guy in Purdue. Both Big Ten guys. Um, you know, w- what are your thoughts on Bateman versus Bell?
1: I think they're virtually the same prospect, to be completely honest. Except for, I think Bell, I have fewer concerns about his hands. Um, Bateman could get a little. Um, a little iffy sometimes in that regard. Um, I I think they're going to be the same. In fact, I think the same thing is going to happen where I think going into the offseason, he's going to be seen as like the wide receiver four in the class or something. And then all of the, and I I love you, Jarek. Don't get mad at me when I say this. (laughs) All the guys with their charts and their graphs are going to come out and he's going to finish very, very highly in them, just like Rashad Bateman did this year. And you're going to see a big push uh, for him to go earlier than maybe he, I don't want to say deserves, but maybe probably earlier than he should. Cause as I always say about David bell, he's a very good receiver. He's not special. You know, he really, really is not. I don't see exactly what the upside is with him compared to Burks, or I think Wilson's a better player than him. I have Pickens above him. Um, I, I think all those guys are better players. I, you know, I could see Chris Olave going before him in the NFL draft next year. Um, but I do think they're very, very comparable. If I had to choose one, I'm, you know, I'm a really big talent over opportunity guy, so I haven't faded Bateman at all based on his landing spot. But just give me Bell because maybe I'm hoping that he gets a better landing spot than Bateman got, and I think they're comparable talent wise.
0: Yeah, I've, I'm, I'm completely on board with you there. I do, I like Bell more than Bateman. Um, I, I know you say you don't think Bell is a special receiver. I don't necessarily think he's special, but I think he does everything well. And I think that's special in its own right. Um, you know, I don't see any flaws in his game other than slightly above average athleticism. Um, you know, I think he's going to be on the Keenan Allen spectrum of an athlete, um, you know, where it's not great, but you know, it's definitely passable. It's definitely something that, you know, you, you can have production with that level of athleticism in the NFL. Um, I also think, you know, he's, out of the wide receivers that we're thinking will probably go in the first next year, Um, so just uh, assuming to you know uh, assuming everybody comes out, you know we'll list those guys off. We 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 talked about them on the the uh, campus life, but you know guys we're expecting to go in the first round next year, probably Alave, Pickens if he comes out, Burks, Bell, um, and Wilson. Garrett Wilson if he comes out. So we're looking at those five guys. I think he's probably the last one out of that to get drafted. So I think he's probably going to go in the back half of the first, you know, you're you're then looking at him going to probably a pretty good team. So I think that there's a good chance that he goes to a better landing spot than what Bateman did. Now, um, you know, shout out Chris Moxley for that great article over on campus to Canton about why not to fade Bateman. Um, And also shout out to Chris Moxley for his uh, analytics background as well. Um, he's also very high on Bateman. Um, don't get Chris, don't get mad at Austin either, but you know, he might take it out on you in the next episode of Debbie debate in the, uh, <laughs> in the outtakes. He'll say um, everything
1: that I said was wrong.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. They're both going to be, they're both analytics darlings. And I think they're, you're going to see a very similar storyline play out for bell that played out for Bateman. But, but, Bringing it back. Um, Yeah, give me Bell over Bateman Um, fairly comfortably for me. Um, And then the last one on the wide receiver front here, um, we'll look at Jamar Chase. And you said, you know, there's not a Jamar Chase in this next class. And I agree with you there. Uh, So, Jamar Chase versus the field. Are there any wide receivers from this 2022 class that you would take over Jamar Chase now that we know he landed in Cincy?
1: Um, no. Um, and for it, like I, I did have, I mean, I had a good grade on chase. I didn't have an elite of elite, you know, can't miss grade on him, but I had a very, very high grade on him. I don't have any grades that are elite in next year's class as well. Um, so give me chase in an offense that I know is going to pass a bunch, um, with a quarterback that is, you know, he was on pace to throw it like 600 times last year or whatever. Um, and they're going to pass it a lot because they, Didn't improve the offensive line at all.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, I'm I'm with you there too. I I would take Chase over anybody in next year's class. Um, I like a lot of those guys next year. And like you said, Burks has the possibility to vault up near Jamar Chase level. I don't know if he's going to pass it because he's obviously not going to put up the type of sophomore season that Jamar Chase did. So, but his athleticism is going to be right there on par, if not even potentially a little bit better, um, given his size adjusted athleticism. Um, but yeah, I would take chase over any of those guys as well. Uh, so we'll move into running backs here. Uh, first running back off the board this year, Najee Harris going to the Steelers to pick 24 in the first round, um, projected running back at this point to be first off the board would Probably be in most people's eyes, Brees Hall. Um, I think those guys are also a little bit more similar than the next two that we'll talk about here. Um, so, who are your? Who would you take over? Uh, Najee Harris versus Brees Hall. Um, very similar
1: grades. I think it's basically a a, a pick 'em. Um, take Najee just because he's with Pittsburgh. Why not Homer? I don't ever act like a Homer. I'm going to do it tonight. Not just going to be the goat. I'm taking him. He's not the Steelers.
0: <laughs> on. Um, I will actually agree with you there on that one. Just because we don't know Brees Hall is going to go in the first round. I think that that matters. I don't even
1: know one. Like, I don't even have a feeling one way or the other. The I, NFL just randomly picks and chooses what running backs go in the first round. It yes. Is very, like
0: we've seen. Bad. Yeah. Like we've seen before Rashad Penny. Clyde Edwards Alaire. Both guys. Shit. Look at last year's class and look at this year's class. Two guys went in the first round this year. And Clyde's Edward Alaire was the only one that went
1: in the first. Yeah. You know, JT, Swift, Dobbins. I had those all guys all, you know, yes, they all went in the second last year. So (laughs) I I don't know.
0: Yeah. So uh, for that reason as well, give me Najee. But I like Brees Hall as a talent better than Najee. Najee is also 50 years old. Um, so Brees Hall is going to be younger coming out, assuming he comes out next year. Um, So the age and overall talent, I probably would lean Brees Hall. But again, I like that first-round draft capital. I like the landing spot in Pittsburgh, so I will take Najee here as well. Uh, Next one, though, we do have Travis Etienne um also taken in the first round one pick after Najee pick 25 uh versus Isaiah Spiller running back for Texas A&M um I think I know where you're gonna go with this one but I'll kick it over to you first
1: um ETN no I'm just messing with you yeah that's what I thought I would rather have Isaiah Spiller I think he's a better player um even though like I've said a billion times in the show I think ETN's a little slept on But I would rather have. I I really, really like Spiller. I really, really like Spiller. Um, And don't come at me with that he's not an elite athlete, blah, blah, blah. This shit's all size adjusted, man. I think for his size, he's a very, (laughs) very, very very good athlete. So, um, size adjusted, he's going to be as good as any any of the other top running backs in this class. You know, weighted speed score and all that kind of stuff. Um, You'll you'll be in the ballpark. So, give me Spiller. Um, I think his, his style translates very, very well.
0: Yeah. I, it's kind of where I knew you were going with that. You're kind of becoming not the, not the leader of the Isaiah Spiller bandwagon, but, um, you know, you're probably the, you're probably the co-pilot on that one. Uh, you're, you're, you're one of the people that I hear talking up Isaiah Spiller the most, um, even to the point where you're, you know, contemplating having him over Brees Hall. Is that right?
1: He's he's above Brees Hall in my rankings.
0: So. He's above Hall. Okay, uh, yeah. So, but with that in mind, uh, I will also take Isaiah Spiller. I do like Travis Etienne, uh, but like you said, I think Isaiah Spiller's size lends himself more towards the NFL. Um, not that Etienne can't produce at the NFL level, uh, but I think he bulked up. Did in this off to get a, to weigh in at a level that the NFL would like. I don't think he necessarily naturally is at that level, and I, I could see him slimming back down to two hundred five ish, which isn't necessarily bad. But you know, I, I think that you know also skill set wise, I still don't love him as a pass catcher. I think he's improved for sure. And, you know, maybe he takes another step forward at the next level, but I don't think he's ever going to be a weapon in the passing game or anything like that. And I like Isaiah Spiller. He's solid in the pass game as well, probably better than ETN and has a potential to take another step forward here at the college level. Um, particularly given the lack of wide receiver weapons at, uh, at Texas a you know, they'll, they'll have to rely on him, especially using, you know, breaking in a first year quarterback here. I think they're going to lean on Isaiah Spiller a little bit more. He's going to have a really nice year. Uh, I, I'm also with you. I think he's going to be a good size-adjusted athlete as well. So I'll take Isaiah Spiller because uh, I, I do feel pretty good about him going in the first round as well. Uh, and then the next one here, it's kind of a two-for-one. Um, there's not a Trevor Lawrence-level prospect in this class in this 2022 class. Um, in my eyes, I'm assuming you agree as well yes um i i honestly don't feel good about any of the quarterbacks next year
1: like really good like i like i if you because i have some rattler and some somehow and a bunch of different debbie and c2c places and it's not to the point where the you know like i i, I would move any of them in a trade fairly easily you know obviously i want to get the value back but right. i you know you wouldn't have to twist my arm uh to get me to move one of those two guys whereas you know uh, Lawrence and Fields this year, and then possibly Lance too. You know, I, you would have had an easier time with Lance, but Lawrence and Fields, you would have had to really, really
0: um, work me to get one of those guys from me. So that'll transition pretty nicely into this next part here. The next question. So there's not a Trevor Lawrence in next year's class. Um, what are your thoughts on uh, Trey Lance, Justin Fields versus Rattler and Howell? the combination of those two.
1: I would take fields Lance. Um, Cause I had early first round grade on fields, mid first round grade on Lance. And I have mid grades on Rattler. How so, you know, early mid Trump's mid mid. Um, and like I said, I just don't, you know, there, there, there are things still to prove uh, for Rattler and how, um, you know, Rattler's only played one year and, wasn't very good for the first half of it and then was really good. The second half, you know, we'll see what he does this year to start off the year. And then Hal. I really, really like Hal as a thrower. I, I really like, you know, a lot of, we've talked we talked about a lot about him last show. So I won't go that mm-hmm. into Hal again. It just, he's not super mobile, which scares a little bit of a uh, little, me a little bit. And I just don't think he's immediately like I, I met, Matt, Matt, um, Bruning comps him to, to, um, uh baker i don't i don't necessarily think that's quite the comp that i want to go for but i could see him struggling like that for a couple years before he really can cement himself in the nfl because he does not have a super elite physical trait in any way that can kind of help him compensate early on Um, rattler at least has the howitzer of an arm so and and pretty good mobility yeah I mean they're both they're both mobile enough for the modern NFL. They're not Jared Goff or Matt Ryan. you know, they're not in that class of of statue in the backfield, but they're not, you know, we see all the most of these guys and you know, even Trevor Lawrence is is he can has some rushing threat. I don't think any of those guys are either Trevor Lawrence
0: level runners. right. And that's actually a good segue here because that's the difference maker for me. Um, Lance and Fields both are, Definitely mobile quarterbacks. They definitely bring an element to the game with their legs. Lance uses it a little bit more than Fields does. I would like to see Fields use it a little bit more, but he has that weapon in his in his arsenal, as does Lance. Howell, like you said, does not really have that. He's not really a... He, he's not a golfer, Matt Ryan, like you said. Not even really Matt Stafford. Um, you know, I think he's a little bit more Baker, Kirk Cousins-ish with the running ability there with him. Like he could do it. Um, you know, and pick up some yards here or there. Uh, Rattler can do it as well. Uh, you know, he doesn't, he when he scrambles, he scrambles to throw, he doesn't scramble to run. So, with that in mind, I like the rushing upside that Fields and Lance bring to the table. So, from a fantasy perspective, I will take both Fields and Lance over Rattler and Howell. Um, I don't see either of them jumping Fields for me, I was very high on Fields as well. Um, uh, I like Lance. You know, Lance fluctuated back and forth as QB three, four for me, um, you know, going to San Francisco, he jumped Zach Wilson pretty comfortably. Um, you know, and Lance even overtook him late in the process for me as well. Um, but so I, you know, I would probably still take Lance over Rattler how, but I'm not ruling that out. I think Rattler and how could end up with a better prospect grade overall for me than Lance did, but Again, that from fantasy perspective, that rushing upside for both of them is just too tantalizing. I would take both of them as well. um and the very last one here, um you know, don't ever say tight ends don't matter. Uh, obviously, Kyle Pitts, there's no Kyle Pitts level prospect in this class. There's probably not a Kyle there's not a Kyle Pitts level prospect until we hit Eric Gilbert and then you know that's to be determined as well um. So we'll move to Pat Fryermuth, who is also a tight end that I liked a lot. Um, you know, versus Jalen Weidermeyer, who is a tight end that, you know, we talked a little bit on uh, on campus life the other day, um, you know, about his first round prospects potentially. Um, what are your thoughts on Fryermuth versus Weidermeyer?
1: Um, I like Fri- I like, yeah, I like Fryermuth uh more. Um he, I mean, I, I, mean, he had, he had a round one grade for me, which is harder to get for tight ends. I haven't, him and Pitts had him this year. Um, when I looked at Fanton Hawkinson, I only had, well, only one of those guys got a round one grade for me. Like I'm pretty stingy with the round one tight ends and, and Firemuth had that grade. Weidermeyer has a two from me right now. Um, and it was actually really interesting. We were talking to Matt Friedman the other day and he, um, he said that he, and his, you know, he puts together kind of, you know, a, an early top 50 or so just to kind of try to project what next year's first round is going to look like. Um, and he said that he, he just casually dropped it and I actually didn't really get to follow up with him on it. I, I wish I'd been able to hop in, um, but he was on a roll. I didn't want to, I didn't want to step on his toes. Um, his, he he just casually was like, we only have one first round tight end next year is Jalen Weidermeyer. And that like made my, I was like, Oh, like I, cause I, I didn't think NFL teams would like him like that, but. Uh, for someone, you know, smart like Matt Friedman to say that makes me, you know, maybe maybe he sneaks in there. You know, maybe he really, really does. I don't know.
0: Yeah. And um, for anybody who hasn't listened to that, that was um, Felix uh, at Sharp Review and Austin here um, did. A, had a great interview with uh, Matthew Friedman from the Action Network uh, at Matt F. The Oracle. Um, super smart guy. He was dipping his toes into Debbie for the first time, and he absolutely crushed his Devi rankings. I agreed with a lot of what he said. Um, you know that interview that you guys had was phenomenal, not only from a you know takes standpoint, but just overall. Like you guys, it, the conversations flowed really well. Matt was a seemed like a great interviewee. He was very engaged the entire time. A lot of questions. Um, you know, back at you guys too. You know, it was, it was a great interview. Anybody who has not heard that it is up on our channel, I believe it um, is. Yep. Unless it is a yeah. bonus episode should be the last one. Yes. On there. Yes. So go check out that bonus episode. If you haven't yet a uh, really good interview um, despite, you know, me not being involved, but you know, they, they had Matt uh, and they had Felix, you know, the, yeah, they couldn't have the best half of the campus to Canton team here too. So, you know, um, but back to Fryermuth and Weidermeyer. Um, I actually agree. I was surprised that you took Fryermuth. I'm surprised to hear that he had a round one grade for you. Mm-hmm. Um, he did for me as well. I liked well, round one rookie grade for me. I, I don't really what we talked about before, I don't really grade too much on the NFL level, but I think people forgot how good Pat Fryermuth was because he got hurt last year, very early in the year, you know. But if you go back, watch his sophomore year. You know, he had a great year that year. Even his freshman year he was good. So, you know, and, and widermeyer has good production as well. But I, I like Friar a lot. Um, you know, maybe a little bit of Homer in me. But, yeah, I'll, I'll take Friar there as well. I
1: wish we had, like, a gospel group on, like, standby that we could just have had come in and play when you said that. Like, it was just like, <laughs> ah! <laughs> like- <laughs> Yeah, people really, really forgot how good Pat Friar was. I think, you know... Um, and More than any other tight end beyond Kyle Pitts, who is like barely a tight—you know—he's yeah. he's a tight end, but he's also you know not a tight end. Where Pat Frymuth is a, is a tight end. You know, if you don't include Kyle Pitts in that conversation, he's as good of a route runner at the tight end position as I can remember watching over the past five years. Really, really, he is. Um, and honestly, he works the areas of the field that you know a more traditional tight end would work anyway. Um, so I I've, he he's he's going to do very very well, um, even if you know. We'll see how Pittsburgh uses him over the next couple of years, but it would not shock me if he if he has a very, very strong career.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, the, the only thing that holds me back a little bit from him is the quarterback situation. Um, we don't really know what's gonna go on with Big Ben, you know, after Big Ben leaves. Um, so they don't really have a succession plan there. It worries me a little bit, but I'll, I'll bet on the talent of Pat Fryermuth. So yeah, like I said, give me Pat Fryermuth there, but you're trying to tell me that Mason Rudolph is not a valid succession plan.
1: You guys also have Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, I was to, That was my next question. So you bring me to that. <laughs> one.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. I will. I feel pretty good. Oh, just like, yep. Yeah, feel yep. pretty good about that one. Um, but all right, that's uh, that's gonna do it here for us tonight. Um, we don't really have any huge housekeeping news other than um, Felix. Uh, is giving away a campus to Canton.com subscription for anybody who retweets year long and likes. Year-long subscription for anybody who retweets and likes his tweet uh, with a hashtag hallelujah. That is in regards to fan tracks, the college fantasy football website. Oh, finally, finally, finally opening back up and allowing C2C leagues to kick off.
1: I don't want to take too much credit for that, but I totally white knighted for them the night before they released it. So I I like to think that they were just waiting for somebody to be nice and I did And They're like, all right, we can finally release it. Like they, they weren't assholes.
0: Um, Yeah. So now that that's opened up, now that C2C leagues could really get into full swing here. um, We are going to give away a a year long membership to campus So that's going to come with all of our rankings, every position, that's over 500 college and NFL players separately. Um, you know, so over a thousand players in all, it's going to come with Jerick's player uh, metrics database. It's going to come with our ADP tool as well, which will be moving behind a paywall this weekend. So if you have not checked those out yet, check those out quickly while they're still free, fall in love with them, subscribe to the site or enter to win this, uh, the the free membership here. It also comes with a, you know, access to our discord we have a lot of great conversations going on in there all the time Um, you know shout out to pj always keeps the conversation going um same with brandon hay the riddler um alps um 50 shades of alps you know those guys always always bringing up great questions in there And, and a number of other guys as well my evil twin colin um you know we got a lot of we got and and kev from the uk as well you know a lot of great guys in that discord so (laughs) we know his last name now (laughs) and he's from the uk yes he's gonna be kev from the uk um but you know we got a lot of great guys in there it's a really great community so you know even if you're not uh you know even if you don't want to enter into this this uh chance to win this for free still subscribe to the site but that's really all that i had for housekeeping did you have anything else
1: I got nothing. Um, I have a, a new league kicking off here that if you'd like details for DM me, C2C league. So.
0: Oh, that's the one that, uh, is that the one that you wanted me to help commish?
1: Yeah, but if you're going to be a dick about it, I'll just go find somebody else. Well, it was just a question. Because <laughs> the way you said that made me, <laughs> made me regret asking you.
0: Fair enough. I, I mean, I was, I was just asking. I, I didn't know if you had another C2C league you were starting up that I didn't know about. I don't know. I don't I have that you much you- time on my hands to commit. <laughs> well, how many other leagues are you in here now? The, this offseason, you're in what like six different startups.
1: I've done two C two C startups already, and I have another one, and I'll probably do like some listener leagues and stuff. I don't know. I don't know, but I have a, yeah. I have a tough life. People won't ask, won't stop asking me to get in the startups, and I'm too weak-willed to say no.
0: Oh no, you're you're picked too many times for too many leagues. I'm too popular, guys. Like, oh my god. Um, but yeah, so if you want interest, if you're interested in in that league that I may or may not be helping to commission, we don't know yet. Um, <laughs> DM Austin at Debbie Dietz. Um, you can also DM me at C Two C Decker, but you know I, we don't know if I'm commissioning it, helping to commission that or not yet. Um, but that's gonna do it here for us tonight. Uh, Be sure to be on the lookout for the uh, early week show, Campus Life, that will be coming this weekend. Um, And that's pretty much going to do it here for me. As always, I'm Colin. And I am Austin. And have a good one.